Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence. Through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. Just kidding. I always wanted to do that, man. I always wanted to be that dude that did like the monster truck commercials that would come on your TV when I was a kid, like on Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Every every Saturday morning, man, we would watch like cartoons and then we would hit like the Three Stooges, Little Rascals, Gilligan's Island. You know what I mean? Like they kind of played all these. I'm kind of showing my age now. This is Russ, by the way. <laughs> the whole stream. You're new to the Larcast. It was the 80s. Yeah, I was I was a little dude, man. But anyhow, I love those I love those monster truck commercials, man. They were the best. And uh I remember thinking to myself, like, dude, when I get older, I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna be that dude that that does these commercials. You still could, honestly. I thought, I thought about it. I thought about it. And it's like a just just in case the whole Lark thing doesn't work out, you could always yeah. audition for some voiceover. Yeah, I thought I could, man. Like, um, you know, like my backup plan, right? Yep. My backup plan. You call it a contingency plan. It's a little more yeah. official. Yeah, backup plans like kind of what you said when you were a kid, right? Like, well, if I don't become the left tackle for the Tampa Bay Bucks, mm-hmm. which is what I thought I was gonna be when I was like 10. Um <laughs> Which somebody probably could have pulled me to the side and been like, hey, Russ, just so you know, like you're one of the smallest dudes in your class. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to need to triple your size. <laughs> <laughs> this might not be a future for you. You had that backup plan, right? You had a backup plan. But a contingency plan, now see, that sounds like mature, like maturity is set in. It Russ. shows that you thought about it. Yeah. I yeah. like this. You can put the sexy well, raspy to work and. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, like I could do like voiceover for like a Sam Elliott cartoon or something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, all this said, welcome to the Larkcast, folks. If you're new, I am your host, Russ. And with me is one of our team members who joins us from time to time, Mr. Jameson. Bro, glad you're here. And what's up? Giving Tony, Tony uh, taking a week off this week with his insane schedule. Um, or I guess we could call it that. I mean, he is busy. I'll That's fair. That. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Tony will be back with us next week, folks. Actually, he'll be joining me and Jameson because we have been in a string of podcasts here called Yeah, But, where we've been walking through these just various verses in the Bible that often get thrown at us when we start to live in the freedom. And just to be honest and clear here, a lot of times these yeah buts come from within, not just from outside. So I think it's I think it's always a good thing to remember that um you can't silence the religious noise around you any better than you can silence the religious anxiety in you. <laughs> so mm-hmm. like the journey is probably best described as dying. I, I took those words from Jesus. 
but uh you can't die you can't you, you can't i'm sorry you can't kill you can't kill the religion but but you can learn to die to it and that's kind of where we are in this yeah but series so before we dive into a spectacular verse that we've got lined up for today one that often gets thrown at us just got a couple of quick announcements number one if you're new to this there is a new free ebook available at the website, larksite.com. It's called Dare to Live Free. It's a fun little short read where we explore the difference between trusting Jesus and practicing religion in Jesus's name, because this is a real thing. And um, yeah, religion has and always will always rob you of the life that God has given you because it blinds you to what God's really like. And what faith is really about. And so this fun little book kind of helps get those wheels turning if you're new to this conversation. In addition to that, we have what's called It's All a Lark. It is going to be a live conversation. We're still mapping out how long it will be and what nights we're going to drop this on, but just be on the lookout. That is coming. It's all a lark. It's a live conversation with us through these stories that Jesus told that helped us really see anew the God that we thought we knew. It is, in my personal experience, the most life-changing thing in my faith journey, bar none. Yep. Um, and I can say that for many others. Even Tony on here was saying that just on our last episode, the most life-changing thing in his entire faith journey was the uncensored deep dive into these stories that we're going to be doing live again, check out larksite.com. You'll see more on that. And then lastly, I just want to give a shout out to all of you who've been supporting this seriously, mm. more and more people have been jumping in, going to the website and just clicking the give button. We are a licensed nonprofit. So all giving is tax deductible, but our heart is to always be able to give away good news free, no strings attached. And we just believe that that's where people can learn best. And so to offer an uncensored platform, the podcast is really it. Because let's just face it, good news, the gospel, you could say, it doesn't sell. You can't even give it away. And because it doesn't sell, it's really hard to let the good news be as good as it is within a lot of church settings. Um, the religious crowd just can't buy it. So hence, the podcast. And being able to just drop these insights every week. So thank you to all of you who've jumped in to support this endeavor and to bring this good news to people everywhere. And I mean, literally everywhere. And so if that's you um, and you'd like to join in, just go to larksite.com, click on give, love to have your support. Okay. All that said and done. Here we go. The yeah, but. For this week is what Jameson? Well, we keep hearing the Lark voice talking about this grace that's indiscriminate and unconditional and <clears throat> even beyond imagination, right? So that doesn't seem to square with how John says in First John that. You're supposed to confess your sins. And if you confess them, then he is faithful. And so the yeah, but here mm. is people are struggling with this idea that, 
Well, grace can't really be like already true because you haven't confessed yet, or it's not true until you've confessed your sins, then he can be faithful and just. There it is, right? So it's yeah. this rebuttal to grace that says what you guys are saying about grace, like this is someone speaking to LARP, right? I'll use their voice. You guys keep talking about grace like it's unconditional and like it's already true and like there's nothing you have to do to make it true. What about 1 John 1, 9, where it very clearly says, if you confess, <laughs> then he's faithful and right. just. Um, that's the big question. And I, it's a fair one. It is a fair one. One of the first verses I memorized, dude, when I became a believer as a young man, new in the faith, brand new in the faith, 19 years old, passing on what I was learning and getting hit with questions. So I started memorizing different Bible passages to kind of help me in those conversations. One of those first ones was 1 John 1, 9, in which case I brought conditionality to God's love and his grace and how all these things become true for you if and only if and when you confess your sins mm -hmm. and believe, right? If we confess our sins, it's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. So, yeah, dude, used to hang that around people's necks on yep. the daily. And, um, but then we start to go into the scriptures and we get a little bit of a different story, not just from Jesus, from what, like what, how we're seeing this verse, but even from the author of that very book, John himself, mm -hmm. to, like undoes the conditionality of this grace and forgiveness. So why does this verse have, if, what do we do with it, man? Yeah, I think the, one of the ways I like to think about it, it's the yeah, buts are like people trying to, there's this anxiety going on in them. And so anytime they see something with what they think is like a, a Western logical causality statement, like an if then, they interpret it through their own understanding of those words. And essentially, even though they're asking the question out of pure anxiety, right? I think it's a pure anxious question to, and I don't blame anyone because I ask it, right? But mm -hmm. it's this idea that like, most of us feel pretty anxious about how unable we are to fix the frequency of our sins or our lack of faith. Or, I mean, you you could run the gamut there. We're really anxious about what we can and cannot do. And we think that what we can and cannot do is the relation is how it what it's what defines our relation with God relationship with God. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we see that if then here in first John, and honestly, a lot of times what immediately happens is everything else it says in first John just kind of disappears. <laughs> and we just zero in on this one verse, unable to reckon with it. And I would argue because we're not letting the letter speak for itself. Um, and so, but a lot of people, just to be honest, I'm sure you get this too, Russ. It's, it's not only an anxious pushback. It's also like, uh, they're just trying to shove a sock in our mouth. Mm. <laughs> they're just like, no, you guys stop that. That's, you can't say that. Yeah. 
Um, you shouldn't, and you're leading people astray and all of these things. And what's interesting is that I think that's just as anxious. That's just as worried um, and insecure. Yeah. As the person who's just trying to figure it out, just trying to get their, their stuff together. So that pushback is there. And honestly, when you really run the gamut with this, when you let this be your, if then like God's faithfulness to you depends on yours to him. Like when you make that true, what you end up doing and building a whole ministry or church or, or way of living or anything off of that, it leads to a world of hurt, an unimaginable world of hurt. And I would call it like, there's all these liturgical elements that we build into that. There's all of these, it just winds up being a spiritual religious anxiety. It's like yeah. a condition where you're just running around wondering, did I confess enough? Did I confess this one? What about that one over there? Is my confession honest enough or authentic enough? And you, yeah. you wind up in your head, you wind up never actually experiencing assurance from the one who's forgiven all sins. <laughs> you, you just feel anxiety thinking you're the manager of your sins and you're the manager of the repercussions of your sins. And you're the manager of the dues for your sins. You can't turn confession into a do for your sin. Um, D U E yeah. right. You're, you're supposed to do something with it. Um, but how it ends up is that people don't live free. They don't experience assurance. They don't experience freedom. And I'll just say this and then let's see what how you respond, Russ. Here's my response to all of it. I would say that if your confession saves you, then Jesus doesn't. Yep. What do you think? Um, I think that sounds radical. Um, reckless even, but it's exactly what the scriptures teach. Hmm. Um, I think, and from what I found, even like just through study, the word radical or reckless, okay, is that, that's a meaning for the word prodigal. And as the beloved Tim Keller helped, you know, everyone in the West see probably 10 years ago. The story of the prodigal son is a really bad name that humans came up with for the parable that Jesus told. Because Jesus yep. starts out that story where the father had two sons. The story that Jesus tells shows both sons as flawed and frail and foolish. Okay. In need of rescue, not reform. And the only radical one in the story, the only reckless one in the story, the one that the story is actually about, the prodigal is the father so yeah dude i would say spot on if your confession saves you then jesus doesn't and when you yep. really start to peel that onion you find yourself going damn we'll do anything under the sun man myself included to try to construct our own identity right our own island that we live on almost like like gods ourselves. I know I read that somewhere in the scriptures that that was a condition of humanity. Oh, the garden. That's right. <laughs> we, we can be like God. You know what I mean? We can save ourselves. 
and we can save the world. Yep. And we're really bad at it. Um, and so I think there is a there is a freedom, man, that comes with seeing what this reckless father's really like. There's an assurance that comes from knowing you are loved. That's why he's like this. It's not you'll be loved if it's you are loved. Yeah. Right? Like, dude, I was in a meeting with uh some denominational leaders back in March, and these guys were like planning my murder, man, by the end of the meeting. Um, because they were arguing about grace, this this grace of God, this forgiveness of God does not come upon you until you confess your sins. Okay. And then therefore that makes all this true. And I was leaning in saying what you were just saying. I didn't say it as succinctly, but if your confession saves you, then Jesus doesn't, but I'm showing them right there in Ephesians four, this grace, this love, this forgiveness of God was given. It says before the beginning of time Yep. to all people. That's what it says. Yep. And it was made known. It was made known to us through the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Yep. Dude, that's that right there alone. For all died, right? And in Adam, yet all live in Christ. I'm quoting scripture. Yeah. This directly. Yep. Yeah. There is like he is our creator, sustainer, and the reconciler of all things. In him we live and move and have our being. Again, quoting scripture. Colossians 1, Acts 17, Colossians 3, 1 Corinthians 2, Ephesians 4. You start to unpack this, right? And you start looking at this thing and you're going, wait, whoa. This is this is uh this is like a this is like I'm starting to feel like a child who came into the world who had nothing like my own children, who came into the world having nothing to do with their coming about having nothing to do with their already being loved and being home or being your child. Right. And them growing up and starting to open their eyes and see and discover what is already true because they're loved. Not what will be true if they fill in the blank. Right. Yep. Yeah. You can't make what you are untrue. And what you are is someone who was created by a God who John also calls love. God is love. So <laughs> when you are made by love and in love and through love and for love, you, you can't undo that. You can't turn it off. You can't deconstruct it. It's just what it is. The problem isn't getting your sins forgiven the problem is believing your sins are forgiven <laughs> like that's <laughs> such a huge difference and i feel like it's what's at the heart of so much strife in our world and in religions and churches and everything and in my own mm -hmm. heart is this i can't seem to stop believing the wrong way on that one <laughs> i'm like no i'm pretty sure god can only really like me if i fill in the blank yeah. um and i'll you know i can find a a book worth of of scripture references to to prove my point right but what i'm seeing now is something different and that's because 
I'm starting to see that there's this hidden reality about Jesus. It's not really that hidden anymore, but it's in our Bibles. And apparently a lot of people miss it. And that's the heart of the, like where these two things come together, like the false and the true is this, you start to, you, you get the intervention here in the new Testament of well, who is Jesus? That's the intervention. That's what breaks up our insanity, our strife that I'm talking about. This idea that mm -hmm. God's who he is based on who I am. <laughs> it's just completely backwards to say it that way anyways. But first John is a very late letter. This came probably at the end of the first century. So this is a seasoned pastor. This is not like right after all the things went right. down in the new Testament. This is like an essay, a letter, something written opposing opponents of this gospel about Jesus. And one of the most specific things is like, well, this is a divine Jesus. That's what John is saying here. And the ones he's arguing with are apparently like, no. And when you say Jesus isn't divine, you have to say, you have to get God on your side. You have to do something to make him obligated to forgive you. And it's, I put it in strong language like that because that's the only way to really articulate it to help it make sense to people. Like if, if you really think that God doesn't save you until you say that you sinned or, or that you acknowledge out loud that you failed, you are making the being of God dependent on your testimony. And that's just not true. That's literally what first John is arguing against. I mean, you should read verses one through four. We don't have time to get into those right now, but in verse five, check this out. First John one, five, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him, there is no darkness at all. <laughs> okay. So this is like a big cosmic truth about who God is. And I'm telling you the whole Bible cover to cover is dismantling who you think God is. That's yeah. what the Bible exists to do. Right here in the very beginning of a, yet another book in the Bible, that's what happens. You get this setting straight of something that's gone crooked. This is the message we've heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. Well, a lot of us would say our sin is the darkness. Our failed deeds, our inability to do what we're supposed to, right? Like all of these things are clearly darkness. And John's like grabbing us by the shoulders and saying, there is no darkness in the one in whom all things exist. Yeah. Dude. <laughs> so the problem isn't, I really got to do something in order to get my sins forgiven. No, the problem is you've got to stop believing that there's anything in you that separates you from God. He's your father. He's love. He's your origin. These are the kinds of truths that make everything else, every other truth true. And I think when you sit here and pay attention to that, you start reading first John one, nine through the rest of first John's logic and point mm -hmm. um, that will change. It just turns the, the, the whole perspective to the right place, I think. So who is yeah. Jesus is at the core of this question.
and we essentially make the same when we ask this question or we do this pushback where we're like yeah grace but not until you confess well you're essentially doubting the divinity of jesus and that's yeah. okay that doesn't and make you, you bad made... or dark it just it just means you're the one jesus came for like all the rest yeah. of us and i think what we don't understand and i did not learn this until years and years later man in ministry and it's what happens in that moment is you start to make yourself god mm -hmm. he's not powerful enough to save you to bring about this relationship your very existence there's a part there's something you're an independent like like god himself who needs to do these things and in that before long you know your confession becomes like this God that saves you or grace, you know what I mean? Becomes this God that saves you. I'm a big fan of the song, amazing grace, mm -hmm. but you do. I do find myself at times going, you got to be a little cautious with it. Right. Amazing mm -hmm. grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Grace didn't save me. Jesus did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yes. And so you can really quickly wind up with like, all these different camps like people don't know this and i didn't even know the number until just last week in doing some study but there's apparently right now forty-five thousand denominations in the world yeah and counting yeah so i'm just saying like it's really easy for confession to become a god um the, the quality of your confession and the time and the moment of your confession where it is you know grace becomes a god you become a god there's all these things but jesus being the one in whom all things live and move and have their being and in him there is no darkness yeah well yeah but if you can feel confess and you can't be in him i'm like well so you you somehow sustain yourself like a little independent god right now without him well well no i mean that's not true. So then where do you exist? Do you exist in him or outside of him? Well, I guess I exist in him. Okay. Well, in him, there is no darkness. No darkness. So what does that mean? I'm just saying, like, if, when you let the scriptures speak for themselves, it's alarming. It's, uh, it, it, it's, it's nerve-wracking but it's everything our control loving heart needs. Yep. And I think that's what Jesus is, is showing us. And I think that's what John is, is writing to help us see here. So what do you do with the word? If then like when you let all that John has declared in John, in revelation, in first John, second John, third John, right? Say what it says in accordance to all that Jesus has said, what do you do with the word? If here, I think that's a really good question. And there's, this is something I'm even chasing down myself right now, because the way it shows up in our Bibles in English with the way that we use those words, I, it doesn't seem to compute with what's actually being said there. And it, because right. it doesn't, if I think about it the way I'm used to thinking about it, it just does not square with what this book is saying about Jesus, not to mention the whole gospel of John and Paul. <laughs> you just can really, that's a, that's a watershed. Um, so 
one of the ways, dude, what's up, Eli? One of the ways I think about it is your experience of the life you're made to live is what's at stake. What's not at stake is whether or not you get forgiven. So I don't, my problem truly is, and I'm speaking personally, I, I, I feel like my issue is, is a lot less that I don't know about or don't confess my sins. I, and I'm a really self-critical person, um, faster and more comprehensively than most people who critique me. <laughs> so it's like, I'm, <laughs> it's a, it's a bit of a problem, right? That's why you go to counseling. Um, so I don't feel like that's necessarily my issue. I'm too self-aware almost. My issue becomes in what way could God possibly love me? <laughs> in what way mm. could my sins actually be forgiven? Like, look at them. Like, look at that pile over there and look at this one over here and that thing I just did or thought or whatever. Like, when I view those things, it doesn't matter how big the stack is of good things I've done or right things or whatever I want to believe they are. It doesn't matter how big that stack is. It never seems to make the other ones go away. So my struggle is confidence in Jesus. My struggle is that actual experience of assurance and like the assurance of things hoped for where is that like when i'm sitting here trying to figure out if my list is comprehensive and if i actually authentically confessed all these sins i'm running in anxiety i i'm not running to a god who's like hey i i know you you pissed away the entire inheritance and i know you've got a speech prepared but I don't want to hear it because I got a mm-hmm. rope and I got your ring. I've, I've had it by the front door since the minute you left. Here it is. We're, we're going to go unload the entire barn because we're going to bring the whole town for this feast. <laughs> like that's how God responds to your medi- mediocre confession. Because yeah. y- you've been trained to show up and say, Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Let me be your slave. This is what the prodigal son, as he's called, was prepared to say to the father. And I believe that's what a lot of our discipleship programs in churches have been modeled after. We think that's a good thing. (laughs) And I'm saying, no, those are three lies. Those are problems. I mean, sure, you've sinned against the father, but he's... He doesn't treat you based on what you've done. That's the whole point of why Jesus comes. Takes away the sins of the world. Which let's go to John 2, 1 John 2. He says, Yeah, I was gonna say there's uh the scriptures are pretty plain on Jesus. My, li- my little children took away. I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And we uh, we interpret that one with fear too. We're like, oh no, but I'm still sinning. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. With the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice. That's it is. That's present. That's now. That's that's just is, mm-hmm. right? He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also the sins of the whole world. So, well, it can't possibly be whole world. 
Well, I mean, I know, I know the Bible says that, but world and whole, right? <laughs> right. When you put those together, <laughs> it's everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. So the ah, cosmos. That's yes. what it means. Yeah. And every, the world every, by itself everything. is big enough. Yeah. The word yeah. world cosmos is big enough in and of itself to mean everything. It says the whole world, just in case there's any confusion here. Yeah. So when you show yeah, up the lamb that, that prayer, took away the sins of the world. Yes, they're gone. They've yeah. been taken away. They, they're not in the balance somewhere pulling you down into hell. Like that's not what they are. The sun has come to be with us. And here's the crazy thing, man. It's a dark God that insists on you having some certain level of confession in order for the gift he already gave you to be given to you. That is a dark picture. And it's one you should fear. Like if that is God, you're right in your fear and in your terror. And apparently most people don't cut it. Right. If that's the God that, they, that it is, that's if that's who God is. But if Jesus came to reveal the father to us it's not because we had it figured out it's because we don't see the father as he actually is and jesus came to say if you've seen me you've seen the father you guys need all these in-between steps so that you can actually see him and trust him the way i trust him yeah. that's what jesus came to do that's what the scriptures are out to reveal is like you see god as this i need to show you the actual god that exists it's over here yeah. this is what he looks like which means you no longer have to live in that fear and in that terror. That's that's not what confession is about. So the if is not a cause. This is not when you confess, then you're forgiven. It's exactly backwards. You are forgiven. That's the only reason you ever could confess your sins. You can only acknowledge that big pile in that stack because the father's in the middle of it setting mm -hmm. up his temple waiting for you he's like you don't experience i learned this from baxter kruger you don't experience the freedom you're made for because you're unwilling to find the father in the pile of garbage where you of who you actually are the things you've actually done the things you've actually believed and said that's where he's waiting that's where he is in relationship with the son and the spirit just saying we're here we're not going anywhere we have set up shop this is the incarnation. This is the indwelling. This is the inness. This is what it means to be in Christ. The the whole Trinitarian God has entered what we see as darkness to shine the light of faith and life and freedom out. Because <laughs> he, Jesus knows exactly what we need. And what we need is that kind of a an intervention. Our vision's busted. Yeah, the guilt the guilt complexes we carry around are because of what we think of sin and confession, which is because of what we think of God. Um, yeah. The one who was face to face with the Father for all eternity has come to be face to face with the God of our imagination, so that he can stare that God down, and then lift up our eyes to see the God as he actually is. That's why confession matters. You confess your sins because you can. <laughs> you can be known for having done these things because Jesus is known for having done away with those things. That's yep. just a world of difference. 
And it actually yeah. makes me feel like when Jesus says in John, I want to give you the joy that cannot be taken away. I'm like, that might actually be real because <laughs> all these other things I've done for decades, they don't give me joy that can't be taken away. Um, no, it's just a whole bunch of more things I can't quite do enough of or rightly. Um, so yeah, I've got to constantly work on. Yep. Yeah, I would, I would agree. Confession is something that I do because I've been forgiven. Yep. I am now free because let's just face it. The scriptures are plain on, on, on these things. He is the creator, sustainer, and reconciler of all things. That's me, you, and everybody else. He is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He did. He announced it is finished and closed the religion shop. Galatians tells us that we were crucified with him. That's the whole mystery of this cross is somehow God dropped all the humanity down the black hole of his son's death and mm -hmm. rose it all to life in him. So while all died in Adam, that's all of us in our self-reliance, right? We yep. lived in this, this world crushing blindness. Well, all now live in Christ. This is written in the scriptures. So yep. there's no condemnation for you who are in Christ nope. Jesus, which would be everyone the scripture says. But again, going back to Galatians, that's because there's no you to condemn. And then just to really bring us into an understanding of what this God's like and what the journey of faith is about, Paul unpacks the fact that not only is like, like there is no condemnation for you, but circumcision, all of your law-keeping efforts are worth nothing. They don't make you alive with your father because your father's already made you alive in his son. This is our reality. This yeah. is the life of faith. And by grabbing onto that, you are now free to be able to look at someone and go, yeah, I can tell you about the struggles I have and the things I've done. Because yep. they don't define me. Jesus does. Yep. And so if anything, I, confession is something that like can grow your faith. It's not something that makes your faith faith. It's exactly. not something that makes you forgiven. It's something yep. that free people do because they know they're forgiven. Yes. And they're loved. And I think you're right on that whole prodigal thing, man. Like we we really wrestle with that to see the underlining of all this. You've got a younger son who starts out at home and then squanders it all in unbelief. And then you've got an older one who stays home and does all he thinks he's supposed to do again, squandering his life in unbelief. Yep. But at neither point did either son ever cease to be a son. Right. Are you ready for this? And at neither point did either son belong at that party because they confessed. Right. The younger son is fully embraced and made a part of the family before he ever confesses anything. And the older brother who's standing outside in his unbelief and pissed and thinks that he matters because of what he's done, isn't told, confess what you've done here wrong, and then you'll be forgiven and you can come to the party. Instead, the story ends with the father standing outside with him, pleading with him, can you just come to the party? You, in the same way that you can't make a father a father, right? I can't make my dad my dad any more or less than he already is. I can't change that. In the same right. way you can't make 
God your father, you can't make God your forgiver. Yeah. You got to let that sink in. He is not a forgiver because you confess. God is a forgiver because God is God. You cannot change who God is. You cannot make him who he is. Man, this this radically transforms my whole spiritual life when I let this thing be true. I'm no longer afraid of God coming around the corner in the garden. That's the main problem. How do we not see that? Right, right there in the garden, the creation of all things. They ate from the tree. They covered themselves and they hid in shame and fear. That's the problem Jesus has come to repair. He's He did not say, Adam, here's the confession you're supposed to give. This is how you're supposed to confess. No, he went ahead and promised the restoration of all things in the seed of the woman. Oh. <laughs> right? So here, one last connection that I want to make is this who God is, right? You can't make him a father. You can't make him a forgiver. This is the one who you exist in and because of, always have. And here's a line from a guy named Rowan Williams. He's talking about St. Augustine here. He says there's an assumption. He's talking about an assumption that I think a lot of us don't have. Before anything or anyone is in relation with anything or anyone else, it's in relation to God. Hmm. So Augustine goes on, this is a paraphrase, the deeper I go into the attempt to understand myself, who and what I am, the more I find that I'm already grasped, addressed, engaged with. <laughs> I can't dig deep enough in myself to find an abstract self that's completely divorced from relationship or from God. So before anything else happens... I am in relation to a non-worldly, non-historical, everlasting attention and love, which is God. This is the foundation, the grounding. This is what makes truth what it is. And inside of that is where we look to understand what confession is, how it plays a role, what it means in the life of the believer. I can say my sins out loud now because yes. I finally see that the Father loves me enough to be in me, even in the middle of the moments of my sin. He's not embarrassed at all whatsoever. The Father was not embarrassed when the Son came running down the lane. He was not embarrassed to throw his entire reputation out the window by forgiving his son. That's our father. This is not a God or a father who right now in our day and age gets a lot of books written about him, right? Um, he'd probably be broke if he didn't have unending riches as God. Like you just don't forgive that much. It's too foolish. It's too ridiculous. And that's why we can't stomach yeah. it. And that's why religion says stuff a sock in it. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, man, you've got a. Uh, I was watching uh, Narcos on Netflix, and there's this scene where the Minister of Justice from Colombia is meeting with Pablo Escobar. This is like right before Escobar dies, and um, they're negotiating this whole like prison situation. You have to watch it all to understand, but 
there's this line in that in that show, dude, that just but just hits you right between the eyes, man. And you know, Escobar wants the government to get up and say that he never did any of these things, and this is all untrue, and here's what's going to be happening going forward. And you know, the Minister of Justice looks at him and goes, "Man, we can do this to try to maintain this peace because there's like an absolute war between the two of them that's going on." He says, "But um, but you know, it's a lie." And Escobar looks back at him and says, well, yes, yes, I know it's a lie. But lies are what we choose to believe and want to believe when the truth is just too difficult. And I was like, (laughs) when you come face to face with a God who not only doesn't need your resume, but never asked for it. He doesn't even have a department that looks at him. He closed the religion shop and announced it is finished over it. This is our reality. This is the truth of who he is and what he's like. You are loved. You are whole. You are home. You are forgiven. You are free. Your struggle is blindness to who he really is and what he's really like, and what he's really done, and who you really are, and what life's really about, and what faith really means as something that allows you to enjoy this versus something that that makes this true or possible. Right. And, dude, if you're at the end of your rope, you will welcome this. It's not too difficult to believe. But if you were hanging on, man, to the myth of the independent you, if 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 control at the end of the day is what you really want to be able to point to and have and feel. Yeah. Well, this truth is too difficult to believe. But I think what you're showing here, man, is um the truth may be too difficult to believe when control is what you're really after. <laughs> but it doesn't make it less true. Yep. I think that's the aha. And it's yep. also where you start to see the insanity of what we go on to believe and to pursue. It's it's insanity. Yeah. So cheers to the God who brings who who intentionally disillusions us. <laughs> yeah, he knows exactly what we need. Yep. Yeah. To be disillusioned is to move away from an illusion. That's a good thing. From an untruth, from unfreedom, yeah. from the inhuman. Yep. Man, so good. So good. Welcome to freedom. Well, Welcome to forgiveness, man. That's yes. that's what's true. Yep. Full yep. stop. And it really allows you to to start to embrace confession, man, is like Yes. And if, if this thing, if confession's doing anything, it's weaning me off of the of the myth of control that I'm trying to grab onto so tightly. Yep. Yep. But it's the it's training making something true. Yep. It's the training for godliness that says in Titus. Like it's yeah. not what gets you into an acceptable place. <laughs> it's training you to stop believing you're supposed to get yourself to an acceptable place. <laughs> I am. Amen, dude. Amen for this. Yes. So that's it, dude. That is this episode of the Yeah But series. Looking at 1 John and if we confess, yeah, 
This is not a cause. It's not a, if you do this, then you get this. It's actually right. backwards. So cheers to that, man. And until yeah. next time.